You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You are listening to episode number 63 of Living the Dream with Rory O'Malley. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hello, dreamers. Rory O'Malley here, your host for Living the Dream. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, tell your mom. Moms love us at Living the Dream. Um, I am so excited about my guest today. His name is Mark Tuminelli, and I've known Mark for years. We uh, were actors in New York City when I first moved to the city, and he's an incredible talent. He has a wonderful personality. He's so funny. And he's one of those people who walks into a room and just kind of takes over. He's a leader. And it's probably why he now is leading his own school for kids who love Broadway. It's called Broadway Workshop, and he founded it. He is the head of it, and I have had the honor of teaching at this school a few times over the years, and I always walk away feeling like the kids have taught me something. It is such an amazing experience. Broadway Workshop teaches kids through masterclass, through acting classes, and and singing, and, and even dancing, and they bring a lot of Broadway professionals to the classes to teach the kids. And I've done a lot of these types of things, and there are so many great ones out there. I know Mark personally, and I'm so inspired by his love and enthusiasm to teach these kids. And... um. He's still a performer because when he gets up in front of these kids, they are hanging on to his every word and he clearly loves what he does. He is living his dream. He has created something very, very special. And I am blown away by that when I get to be in the presence of that. And he also has such a unique experience being around young people who want to be actors and the mindset of those young people. And I don't know if you're a young person who is, you know, in their teens or about to go into college or about to leave college in college. And maybe you're wondering what you should be focusing on. And I think that Mark has a lot of those answers for people who are younger. Or if you're a parent of a young person who loves theater, first of all, God help you. And second of all, um, there's a lot of really great people out there who will be able to guide the talent of your kids into a life in the performing arts or a life as a lawyer, as an editor, as so many other things. Because uh, if your child wants to become or wants to be a part of the school play, encourage it. It is life-changing and wonderful. And uh, I think Mark is changing a lot of lives, as so many other theater educators are out there. So this is my conversation with my pal, Mark Tominelli. Great. Yeah. I'm in. Okay, so let's, Do we? when do we get official? We're, we are official right now. Oh, that, wow. Do, do, yeah, it is, it's happening. You're on Living the Dream. It just. Great. We crossed the threshold. I have chills. They're multiplying. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Hi, Rory. Thank you so much for doing the podcast, oh being God. on the podcast. 
I feel like this is the precipice of my, let's start over. I feel like <laughs> this is truly the height of my, my stardom. It, it is not. It is just us getting to find out all your secrets um, and everything that you've done in your career, which I am so blown away by. You, I'm one of your biggest fans. I hope you know that. I hope you know that already. But you are an educator. You you have your own company and you teach kids. And I have had the privilege of being a teacher for your for Broadway workshop. And, and you were pretty and you were pretty good too. So oh, thank you. Sometimes thank you. celebrity status is not equal good teacher. So it's well, what it's very nice to uh that you're also a very good educator and we were thrilled to have you with us the numerous times we had you at Broadway workshop. Well, I've always gotten a lot more than I was able to give to the students because it, it just is such a great reminder of why you became a performer and what it was like when you were a kid, just dreaming to, to get to do what we do. Yeah. And, um, I think you, you, there are so many like versions of, of, uh, children's theater and teen theater schools. And I have to say, you've really come up with one that addresses so many issues of what it means to be a young person who wants to do theater and bring so many great people into the fold um, to be teachers who are actually doing it. And I think that makes a huge, huge difference. Um, but I want to just start with asking you why you decided to start Broadway Workshop. Um, I was, you know, like an actor and a child performer, and I did all of that stuff. And after, you know, playing Eugene in Bright Beach Memoirs and Biloxi Blues and Broadway Bound, like so many times, um, and I had done Gypsy with Patti Lapone. And then when that, when that cast was all let go before Broadway, um, with the exception of Patti Lapone, I was trying to figure out, like, what am I doing? And um, I started, uh, I was teaching a lot and directing a lot and working Well, a lot let's go kids. back to that. Like, So wait a minute. So you were in a show and it was going to go to Broadway and the ca- the entire cast let's, was changed. Yeah, let's go back. Let's go back to that song. Yeah, I'm not so, going to let you glide over that. Um, <laughs> so um, I was casting the Ravinia production of Gypsy, starring Patti Lapone, which was a year before they did it on Broadway. And um, Patti was doing Sweeney at the time, and she was taking two weeks off to come to Chicago to do this production. And I was playing Yonkers in that show and Lonnie Price was the director. And it was just like this really beautiful, amazing experience to um, do a musical that I've always loved that I had been in before, but as a little kid and then with who I think is like the greatest, you know, female performer of certainly this, you know, last hundred years. Um, But so to sort of be in the room and watch her create her mama Rose and, this huge experience of, of being a part of that. And I felt like a big part of that. Like we spent a lot of time with her. I was the equity deputy. So I have crazy, you know, interactions with Patty. Um, and um, <laughs> I can only imagine an equity meeting with Patty LaPone. Um, they just like happen in her, her hotel room. Like we all got to meet in my hotel. And, like that is like definitely not allowed to happen. Right. Um, so um Anyway, we've done the show and then I, it looked like we were due uh, city center and a tour and then Broadway. And that was like a really exciting thing. And I was, you know, obviously thrilled to continue this journey working with Patty and working on Gypsy. And Lonnie had directed a new production of Gypsy, which I thought was really innovative and beautiful and smart and would allow the audience to sort of see the show in a new way. And right. um, there was like the caveat was that she had to get the okay from Arthur Lawrence because they had not talked in years. And so she had taken him out to lunch. And by the time that lunch was over, Arthur was directing the show and we all were like, we're sold down the river. So, um, wow. So I had multiple work sessions for the New York production and, um, a kind of weird long series of events, but it wound up, none of us really wound up doing the, from the Chicago company to Broadway. So, um, that was like a tough thing. And, um, and then right after that Brighton beach happened on Broadway and it's a role I had done, you know, like a hundred times and I didn't get that. And I was like, what am I doing? And so, um, I st- was teaching so much and loving it so much that I was like, this is, I'm going to try something here. 
And um, I put together Broadway workshop with a one day workshop with Laura Bell Bundy while she was doing Legally Blonde on a Sunday before her matinee. Um, I was like, would you come in and teach a workshop? you all the money like and it could go to your charity i just want to like start this thing and she was so lovely and came in and taught an incredible class we obviously sold that out in two seconds because it was you know l woods and uh and we did a few of those and then that just kind of started the ball rolling and then you know i would start asking other casting directors and other broadway stars if they wanted to teach and through friends of friends and if i didn't know the person and we but, were selling. But you yeah. didn't. It's, but you, you. That's how you started. It was just like call Laura Bell. Let's let's do this one time. And now it's an empire. <laughs> now, sure. I mean, but like you know, isn't that isn't it? It's, I think it's so interesting that um, how how things start with so you know you people look at what you are doing right now, which is running a a a, a big school for for kids right uh, how many yeah. students do you have go through your doors every year um i mean we have actually a few thousand students throughout the year because we deal with a lot of student groups so we'll we host uh, student groups from around the world really that come to new york they see a broadway show and we give them an educational workshop component that normally right. is tied in with the musical that they're seeing so right. we'll do sometimes on a wednesday we'll have three groups of a hundred like it's so oh we have so many kids that we don't know that come to us once and we never see again because they're part of an eighth grade trip or a senior class trip or, um, but then we have our, you know, kids that are here for week long intensives from around the country, um, that are here to do our, our main stage, to do our one day workshops. So, I mean, this summer I just did the math. It's like around 600 kids that were just with us between June and now, to do week long summer programs. So that's incredible. It's a I mean lot. that's it's huge. And if you would have told Mark who was about to, you know, ask Laura Bell to just do this one workshop yeah. if it would lead to 600 kids in a summer coming yeah, through I, I would, would have never done? believed it. And yeah. I I didn't know if I wanted to believe it then, which I think is sort of key is that yeah. I was trying something out that I liked doing it was working with kids and I had a following of kids because I worked at a great uh, children's theater in Westchester that I was like these kids will all come to my workshop you know and they started to come but it was when I started doing the casting workshops and I would sit next to a casting director the thought of me going to audition for that casting director the next day was like uh, made me want to like shake in my house so I was like there's no way it's one or the other like you cannot build this business and also be an actor. So it was not a difficult decision to say, this is the thing that I'm most passionate about. It's kind of weird to give up a dream that you've had as a little kid and just say, I'm going to do something totally different that I do not know what I'm doing essentially. And, uh, and hope it works out. And that ultimately, and it was like, Oh, I hope that I can get this business to a place where I don't need another job. Because for the right. first two years, I ushered on Broadway, and I still worked at other kids' theaters. I was still, you know, doing other random yeah. survival jobs. And then after two years, I kind of could only do Broadway workshop, and I thought that was the pinnacle of success. Where it was like, wow, I just, I just work for myself. I don't work for anyone else anymore. This is my job. And then You're it was a small like, business oh. owner. Yeah. Then it was like, oh, if I could just get a part-time assistant and afford to pay them. So right. like everything, oh, if I could just have a dedicated office space. So it all has been that sort of thing where each step, it's never been about, oh, we're going to start with 13 summer camps and in all these cities and everything like organically happened, which is a yeah. great lesson to yourself. And I'm sure you've had a s- similar experiences, just like when you don't think that something is possible, then it sort of happens. And then the next thing happens and it's sort of like, you have to do the work, but giving into that things are kind of happening in their own time. And you can't, I can't go from where I am now to having a building with 19 studios and a hundred classes going on at all times. Like that's just not going to happen. Right. Like that. Right. But yeah. it's, it's coming. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I don't know. You know? I, don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if I want that. But, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's, it's to me, it's a fascinating moment of when an actor decides to take the reins, to sit in the driver's seat and to create something in addition to being a performer. Because the truth is, is that 
you are an actor, you are a performer, and you always will be. And it's always going to be a part of you, and you can decide when you want to access that and, and participate in being on stage whenever you want. But now you have this entire new role as a leader and as a small business owner and have this whole new set of skills. And it's just, it's been so impressive to me because I've known you from, I've known you from being the actor to what you do now. And I, I just think it's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm blown away by it. I also think that it's a lot of work what you're doing. And I think a lot of actors, wh what we do is when we're having bad days, we think, oh, this acting is so hard, this world. I'm just going to become a lawyer. That'll be easy. You know, like yeah. there's, a, there's a part of us that thinks like, oh, this is so hard and something else in life has got to be easier. So I should probably do that. What you are doing is not easy. It's just something that you can take control of, you know? And I think of you as a person who's very proactive, enthusiastic, and not going to wait in the wings for somebody to call them out to participate in life. Well, it's so much about if you don't, especially this kind of work, if you're doing it because you're trying to make money while in between acting jobs, or if there's a lot of actors that are starting similar kind of programs that sure. I've realized in the last few years, but it is, it is a full-time job. Like yeah. I am answering emails in the, you know, in the middle of the night, I am, I had a sick employee today and I had to go in to a class that I wasn't supposed to be at because there was no one to run it. You know, right. there is, there's constant reminder things that need to go out and there are schedules that need to be created and, and created well so that the day runs right. There are boxes that need to be checked and checked and checked again so that when the kids are in my program, they have a flawless experience because what it can never be thrown together because that's what you get in a lot of schools. That's what you get in some after school programs where people are just sort of doing it because it's their job right. and they're not doing it because it's their passion. And so I have to make sure that every kid that comes to my workshop and really every guest teacher has an experience that feels easy and fun and rewarding yeah. because if I don't create that, then what is, you know, then they could just go somewhere else. And with all of these, like, you know, sort of major Broadway stars that have come to teach, if their experience of, if, is chaos and they walk into the room and the kids are not sure what studio they're supposed to be in. Last week we had 75 teenage students and we had guest teachers coming in all week, you know, it had to be very clearly, spread out of where they go and what they're doing and how I get them from that studio out so that they don't have to take 75 selfies, like things right. like that are all become really important so that the guest teacher coming in has an also a magical experience. And they feel like they're giving back when they're doing eight shows a week. You know, I have, if they're going to take 90 minutes or two hours to come teach something, I have to make it, you know, spectacular and well run for them and that they have to get the feeling that they have made an impact, which they have. Right. Um, yeah. And so that, you know, becomes a lot of work, you know, to deal with that scheduling and people get auditions and book jobs and they can't come and I got to switch right. it out. You know, it never, it never gets easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely, you have to be thinking on so many different levels and working to please so many different groups of people. And I, I would say as someone who has, had the privilege of doing many uh, of a uh, <laughs> masterclass for, for students that you run a very well-oiled machine and, and you have a, gr a great group of people who work with you. And yeah. I think it all, that all comes from, you know, from you, you're the kind of person that is going to gravitate good people to work with him. But um, there are so many things that I learned from the students in just a few, uh, I think I, what did I, I taught for at least a week once. You and did. I, yeah. <laughs> you did the acting major. Um, I have Excel, the Excel teen intensive. I want to say four summers ago. Do you right. remember? And it was like five day, you had one group of kids and you worked on their monologues. And I think yes. that that program is so special and kids come back. That program started as a three day program with 12 teenagers in it. And wow. now it is as two sessions There are over 120 students total who did that Excel program this summer. And um, the reason why I think it's so successful is that 
kids are broken up in their the first part of their day with one masterclass teacher and the same grouping of, of students, so the same 12 or 14 kids, right. and they create a little family in there, in that little room. And so there, the fear starts to break away. And then you have kids that are sharing their authentic experience with the teacher and the rest of the class about why they picked this material, what it means to them, what hardships they're having at home, what things about their life they love, and they start to really bond. And there are tears at the end of the week, but yeah. like you get to experience that as a teacher, which is so great because those kids start opening up yeah. every day because by day four, they're you know connected and they're willing to work in a way that they couldn't have done in the first day. No, it's, um, it's yeah. beautiful. And I remember that there were like three or four kids in my class who were there from Alaska. Yeah. And I was like, what are you doing here? And they said they just don't have any theater programs in Alaska. So they wanted to come to New York and take uh, theater classes and see Broadway shows. And they were so excited. I was yeah. like, my God, I hope I had even half the enthusiasm to show up to an acting class when I was their age because they were just over the moon excited to show up every day. And what what... What, an, what a gift to get to like see young people trying to do what you do for a living. You know, I mean, it really, it's, it was amazing. I highly and recommend I, it to everyone to teach. The Alaska kids were back this year. They come every other year. They do. They're uh, there's back. an amazing teacher in Alaska who runs the theater department there. Um, this guy Tobias and he brings, you know, six to eight students every other summer to do the Excel program. Um, wow. And so that was, I think their first year and uh, they're back, they were back again this past week and um, different kids, but you know, they were all, some of them were like in middle school when that first group came and they couldn't wait till they were old enough to like come to their New York trip and do yeah. the Excel program. Um, and they, you know, we also have students that come from Japan every summer, which that blows my mind because yeah. my parents wouldn't have, taking me on the Long Island Railroad to do right. summer camp for five days for 25 right. minutes. Right. Um, so it's, uh, it's very cool um, to see that level of, even if they're not going to do this, and this really kind of speaks to my program as a whole. And I say a lot of times on the first day of programs, I am not selling the dream here. Like, mm. you know, as I don't want you to come to Broadway workshop because you think you're going to get discovered because that grosses right. me out, makes me very uncomfortable I want you to come to Broadway Workshop because you're going to have a process that will lead you to be better in whatever you're doing. Now, for some of that, that means you're going to – I mean, we have had 64 kids that started Broadway Workshop who have been on Broadway in the last 10 years. I mean, so, yes, it does lead to that. But for some of these kids, like, nope, you're just going to have an amazing experience this week. You're going to open up in a way you haven't. You're going to be better at interviewing for a job at Carvel if that's where you're working. You know, like – all of those skills of putting yourselves in front of each other and sharing your stories and singing and dancing and acting and being bad at things and being great at things yeah. and how that feeds you for everything you do in life. Um, I'm not performing anymore, but all of my childhood of doing this and being in show after show and being with adults and working with them and, you know, being in class and being in musicals, that all has led to the ability to run this business. So yeah. without that, there was no this, you know? Yeah. No, having a theater education gives you all the tools that you need to pretty much do anything that is interacting with society. And, <laughs> and you know, really, you know, it changes lives. And I can see that in the students that that you have, what are some of the, you, that's some of the lessons that you've been able to give to the students. What are some of the lessons that students have given to you? Um, wow. Um, I think there's a, an acceptance thing that I'm especially noticing in the last couple of years where, um, this is like my most recent takeaway, um, is that, uh, we're watching, I have trans students for the first time in the last year and um, I'm seeing how the entire group is figuring out how to uh, welcome and make them feel good and use right. the right pronouns and it's and even for me you know it's like I'm like oh god do I need sensitivity training like what am I am I doing this right, right. Um, but in when I watch the other kids that are the age of those students do it that is where i'm like oh no that's just it you just are saying welcome and you yeah. you figure out who you are and i'm figuring out who i am it's just a maybe on a different scale right. um so 
lately I've been watching that really closely and um, seeing how how sort of sweet it is that the way that these students are being embraced by students who don't have that same challenge but are having other challenges within their own lives and everyone's so welcoming I think in our particularly in our program but um, these kids that you know they're all they're all outlaws they're all like misfit toys then they're they don't fit in in their schools one way or another and then they come here and they're with other kids that are exactly like them and I felt that way as a kid and so that lesson of seeing it all the time keeps reminding yeah. me about that, you know, about including people. And, um, you know, there's also like a really, there's a level of family, especially on our main stage. So every spring we do one huge production that I direct and produce. And I spend six months of my year sort of putting together the show. It is, it's like my favorite. How's that drink, Rory? Oh, Sorry. <laughs> Are you having a vodka Jeez. tonic? In a- yeah, I've got my my vodka tonic at ten thirty in the morning. Um, it's, just, it's a nice I, coffee. I just hear rocks um, shaking I'm in the sorry. glass. No, 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 it's good. Uh, you can edit that out if you need to. No, we're keeping it. Steven, cut that. Um, okay, so um, what was he saying? Yes, um, about um, <laughs> sorry. I just got fired from the pot, the most downloaded episode of Living the Dream. Um, no, this is this is crazy. This is like real hot stuff. Hot stuff right here. Um, anyway, uh, so we just main stage, and it's so exciting. These kids work together for like fourteen weeks every weekend. We have hundreds of kids that audition every year. So these are amazing kids, and some of them, many of them, have been on Broadway when they're little, and now they're in high school, and there's nothing for them to do at this level. And we put on right. this enormous show with a huge budget and uh we pushed the envelope a little bit and the shows are incredible but those kids like the family that they create uh really these are the kids that are still around when i say like who's visiting me in the old age home like those are the kids because we spend all this time <laughs> together. I'll i'm very you i'm very you can't i'm, I'm very i'll be in the room next door thank you um as, I'm very carefully plotting out the kids that are going to come take care of me and like make sure that I have a clean diaper because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not having children. So okay. I hope that this energy that I have spent my life with, um, I think your husband, me. your husband, James is going to outlive us all. So he'll just have to take care of all of us. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see him at the end of the day after teaching like 10 fitness classes. Right. Right. Like, okay. Oh, are we still alive or, halfway six feet under where are we on the scale so um but yeah he's pretty fit (laughs) yeah well i mean i know that you have you the best part of seeing you work at broadway workshop is your clear love for the kids how much they look up to you and how much they how hilarious they think you are because you are but it's it's so great to see that they can trust you and the staff to kind of guide them through their passion of being a theater artist, you know, and, and knowing who knows where it's going to lead, but there's clearly just so much joy going on in those classrooms. How do you address a lot, what we talk about on this podcast a lot, and I'm always thinking who's listening to this podcast besides (laughs) my mom. I am trying to think like, are there, actors who are aspiring actors in their 20s who just got out of programs are there are they actors who are in broadway shows are they people in offices who are just like oh thank god i didn't become an actor it sounds like <laughs> hell um and and I, i'm not sure that a lot of people young people your age are listening to the podcast your your students age i should say not you um Uh, that, you you know, I'm not sure that they're listening to the podcast, but I'm sure a lot of the same themes that we talk about. You have like a lot of fans that are like in high school age because of your two huge Broadway shows that in the last, you know, decade. Well, yeah, this is true. This is true. Just FYI. And, and, and you sold out multiple workshops (laughs) with me, which is actually kind of hard to do lately. Well, I, I, but, but I mean, while Hamilton definitely made me realize, look, Book of Mormon, I thought, oh, we have young people who come to see us, but they were in college. Then Hamilton, it's like, oh, they're 
eight-year-olds who know every word. So it was a yeah. very different experience with Hamilton. And it's one of the reasons I started this podcast was because I thought I want to have real conversations with your students, with people who are young people who are striving to become actors, but only see the social media version of what mm. being an actor is. And I thought, oh, that's a horrible lie. We so should- it seems like you get a lot of free Halo Top if you have a lot of... <laughs> yes. <laughs> All the free things you want. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, become an actor, and then you'll just hang out at a theater and eat free food that's sent it to the does stage sound door. Really, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it is, but there's a lot of of hard work and disappointment, rejection, and yeah. things that come along with that Halo Top. Um, this this episode is not brought to you by Halo Top, by the way. Um, Feel free to send all Halo yeah, Top to my yeah, address. Available on the internet. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Hey Dreamers, just taking a quick break to remind you about our special offer from Gold Star. Go to goldstar.com backslash Rory, enter the promo code Rory, and you will get an additional $10 off your first order. That's goldstar.com backslash Rory, and get that sweet, sweet $10 off. And it supports the podcast. All right, now back to my guest. You're living the dream. But I guess what I'm getting at is that I like to talk about rejection, jealousy, Mm. body image, creating your own work. How do you address rejection with teenagers? How do you, and because they, they, maybe they didn't get in their high school play, but they don't really know yet what it's like to be in a show that's about to go to Broadway with Patti Lapone and have it completely pulled out from under you right before. You know, something that, an experience that anyone in this business has had some version of that. Yeah. Um, I remember the day that Nerds was I mean, you had, the huge, you had the hugest version of that that has ever existed. It was pretty, it was pretty public, <laughs> yes. yes. I, did, I was like in the, the post and like, um, uh, like my picture was, Nerds doesn't go to Broadway. And it was like my face <laughs> plastered. It was like, great. I mean, it worked but, out fine for you. And I think did. that is also what's special about you, Rory, is that um, we had dinner, I think, like two days after that announcement. And yeah, I don't know, are we allowed to that. say we're It might have been the, the day. Um, and, uh, and you were so positive about it. And you were not saying, poor me, or this sucks. Like, there was no negativity coming out of you, whether you were feeling that or not. And I think that's why, you know, and Hamilton came up for you not long after that, right? Two, if I'm two days. So... Two that days later, yeah. It's so much about what you send out in the universe, isn't it? Like about, you know, if you were, you know, bitching and moaning and just being awful about it. I don't know if I just don't know if that would have maybe happened for you in the same way. But maybe I'm crazy, but I, No, I mean it, it was uh, the reason I had Hamilton is because the casting director for Nurse that collapsed is the casting director for Hamilton. So you better believe if I called up the offices and was like, you know, like, this is horrible that I was put through this and, you know, made a big stink about it. They probably wouldn't have been like, oh, well, we had this other job of, of the king yes. in Hamilton, but we're not going to give it to that. We'll jerk. give it to Mark Simonelli. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Things would have changed. Um, but, but uh, you know, like, you, you understand what this business, the kind of disappointment that this business can give to people. And hopefully young people don't understand that yet. I mean, I, I, I it's kind of that naive, uh, being naive is, is a bonus when you're young before you <laughs> really get into this business because you, you probably would just like turn away from it and not want to face the, the rejection. How do you start to have that conversation with young people or do you not talk I know, about that? No, we, we talk a lot about it because I mean, a big part of our program is that you're working with people at the top of their field and they've all had that time, you know? And so it's really what we try to focus on the most about, or at least what I do is like, we're talking about who you are. So you have to know who you are and you have to know who you are with a job or without a job. You have to know who you are when you're oh, in a show so or good. not in a show. And, yeah. um, you know, if everything's wrapped up in, booking the job, you're probably not going to get it because you're going to bring all this, you know, backpack full of anxiety and I need the money. And I, if I don't get it, what am I going to do? And, you, you know, the table feels that. And so, you know, we talk a lot about, um, being your, you know, your best person 
and figuring out who that is and singing material you love and going into audition for something and, you know, caring about it and wanting it, but also knowing that this is a very long road. And so there are so many things that you're not going to get, but might lead you to something you will get because you came back to play. I mean, we've been um, Erica Henningsen is a really great friend of mine and the lead of Mean Girls on Broadway. And she did not book that show um, for the lab. And they asked her to come back in for the DC Broadway. And she didn't know if she should go back in because they already said no to her. But of course she said, no, I'm going to go. And I'm going to go with a really positive attitude about it and not, hey, you didn't give me this the last time. Right. And you know, now she's starring in this you know, Broadway production. So we try to share those stories with these kids about hanging on and doing your best work and remembering that if you show up and you're kind, you know, ideally things will happen. There are some young people where this might not be their path, but they don't know that yet. Um, But they love being in a school musical. They love their theater friends. So their access they think is only performing and they don't realize how big this universe is and how many people work on Broadway every night that don't step foot on stage. Um, And so it's also important for me to share that because I found my true happiness, not performing, but working in the industry. Now, if I was working at a law firm answering the phones, I don't know if I, I don't think I'd be as happy. Um, So, you know, that there are so many things you can do in this business that I think are exciting and that might feed you uh, physically, mentally, um, and that don't require you to deal with that sort of rejection because that's not for everybody. There are people who I do not think are right to be put through that you know, sitting in a hallway with, you know, 44 girls in the exact same dress as you, the black binder and, you know, waiting to go in to sing eight bars, you know, I just yeah. don't, I don't think that's for everyone. No, it's not. I mean, I'm still questioning if it's for me, you know, like I, <clears throat> I think that it's hard to wrap your head around you. We all know that there's rejection in this business, but you don't really understand how much until you're actually in it. And so, you know, having a, a, a a group of young people who are about to step off into this business has got to be, uh, I can, I can sense that you want to give them as many of the tools as possible uh, before they step off into it. But (laughs) that's just one that they kind of have to go through themselves. Um, But luckily, you know, sharing stories like, like Erica's or like, or like mine, I think that we talked about that specifically. And anytime I'm in front of kids, I talk about side jobs, about waiting tables, about being a temp, because I think that people, when they're young, they don't realize that they have to feed themselves as well. And that's not going to always be as an actor. This last couple of weeks in our, our camp programs, we've had kids really ask great questions about living in New York and paying the rent and surviving and what kind of jobs can you do? And, um, we do an hour long, 45 minutes Q and a with just me on the Friday of every camp week, um, where Uh they can just legitimately ask anything. And there's no, um, it's not super weird because I'm not like a big Broadway star that they're obsessed with that they follow in that way. And so that they would feel uncomfortable asking, a a weird question. And so we get into the weeds there and these kids ask a lot of questions about what do you do and how do you make it work? And because financially it's a huge part. And I'm like, there are kids that come to New York, their parents are loaded. They buy them an apartment, they audition. They have a much easier time at it. I I did not grow up with money. So I did not have that luxury. I had to work at night. I had to, you know, like we had to do all the things, which sometimes also is a blessing because it gives you the opportunity. I had to work in offices. I had to, you know, uh, I did a lot of stuff. I, I had to learn I, how to do an Excel spreadsheet. Yes. Which I would not you know, have like, done. I, you know, ushered at the Lion King for like four years. And so I learned how to deal with, you know, house staff and right. seating people. And, you know, and I do actually like a lot of that in my job. Like we go see a Broadway show with every program in the summer. We have 92 tickets and I have to figure out where everyone's going and all that. Right. Like that it's all these stupid things I did that, you know, were part of, you know, my jobs um, that have really allowed me to run this business. So, yeah. you know, you just don't realize. So there's a lot of really, I think they're, they're aware. They're more aware than ever. Um, but there is that thing you see someone in a Broadway show and you think they're like set for life or something <laughs> when right. you're a kid. Oh, they're on Broadway, you know, like, right. but 
you know, Broadway exists for, you know, like 20 blocks and there is shows close and then you're not on Broadway, you know, it's, it's the, it's the strangest thing to go from that to not to nothing, you know? Well, it's almost because when you're in school, you think, well, people just keep handing me work at school. So if you're, you know, you just audition for the next school play and they put you in what the next play is. And, you know, you just, you don't realize how many thousands of people are trying to get into every single production that's happening in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you said something else about about kids. And, and I think it's so important is is trying to, tell them that you are more than just who you are when you book a job, that you have to have an identity outside of just being your acting job. And that is like, that's really laying groundwork for something that's very important as an actor, because I don't know if I would have been able to even comprehend what that meant as a teen, Mm -hmm. but that's so important as an actor, because when you're done with a job, you can lose all self of, of identity, um, I, a sense of identity, I should say. Um, how do you get that across to kids? Is it saying, you know, you should be in a sport as well, or you should, you know, join another club? Because for me, hell no, I was not going to join anything else. I was going to do two more plays. Like, how do you feel like it's, it's trying to convince kids to be more well-rounded in their extracurricular activities? I think it's not something that really happens until you're an adult where you're saying like, Oh, I hang out with my friends. I have nothing to do with this. Um, and, but as a kid, if that's your passion, it was mine, it was yours. I wanted to listen to every cast album. I wanted to go see every show I could. Um, but that wasn't because I wanted to be an actor. It was because I loved the theater. So what I'm saying is like, I still go to the theater. I mean, I saw a play this week by myself because I wanted to see it and no one else wanted to. And, you, you see know, everything. If, I do if, see if, everything. If Gerald and I want to know what how something is, we just ask you because um, we know you've seen it. I do see everything, but like I find joy in that, and it doesn't feel like work. So, like right. for these kids, and I've explained this, like for these kids, like if that is what is bringing you joy. You're not listening to a new cast album or going to see a show because you want to see if you can be in it. Right. <laughs> if it's like yeah. you because you love it, um, yeah. you know, it's like I also really love true crime. I watch like hours of murder shows a day if I can. Um, doesn't mean you have to kill someone. It doesn't mean I'm going to murder somebody (laughs) um, yet. And, uh, you know, and I love trash TV and I can watch the real housewives of any city at any time. I can watch an old episode, but that doesn't mean it's like my, you know, um, uh, it's like takes over my life, but you know, it's just some balance where it's all about like, who's casting that and how can I get seen? That's what's crazy. So it's like, if you're, if you don't want to play softball, you shouldn't, um, right, right. you know, like no one's saying that, but like also, you know, not be constantly talking about a job and going to audition and what time do we need to be that open call? That's, what's crazy. Oh, Mark, um, I'm learning from you right now. That's how good of a teacher you are. Ooh, I mean, that's, I, I wasn't even thinking of it that way, but it's true that sometimes I get jealous of people who I grew up with, who love, loved theater and who found career paths, ways to pay their bills, not in the theater, because they never go to a play and think, oh, okay, who's casting this? What can I get it? It's never about that. It's still just the pure joy that we had as kids. And I'm constantly having to set aside ego or any kind of jealousy or strategy of of thinking about myself, you know, which is horrible but it's also like how you have to kind of navigate the business but you're saying you can still have identity of being a lover of the theater and that should bring you the joy not just being a person on stage yeah i I think in once a year james and i go to london and i see like you know 10 shows and it's so joyous to me because i don't know anyone there i don't uh, you know, really, I don't know people associated with the yeah. shows. I don't have to go backstage and say nice things if I didn't love it. You know, like sure. all of that stuff doesn't exist. So I get to see, you know, shows like I did when I was in seventh and eighth grade where right. it was like a big deal. And I saw a Broadway show and I just loved it because I was sitting in the theater seeing a show. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know that they weren't making any money and they were going to close. Like I didn't 
you know, all of that stuff that I know here when I see a show that yeah. doesn't come with me when I'm seeing something there. And it reminds me so much of why, what I loved about seeing musicals when I was little. And my dad, the first real Broadway musical we saw was Eight Misbehaving and I hated it so much. Um, <laughs> and then like the next year we saw Jerome Robbins Broadway. Um, and that was like, changed my life. Cause it was just big production number. After Wait, production tell me you number. didn't see Eight Misbehaving with Nell Carter. No, Nell Carter was not in it. I found my playbill. Oh, okay. She was not in it. Um, <laughs> you had to look that up. Um, it was at the Ambassador Theater. Um, oh. and, uh, but you and saw Jerome I, Robbins Broadway. And I was, and that, that was, was it. Like, oh, I'm I was in. like, oh, what is better than like seeing a entire night of major production numbers from every great musical created between like 19, you know, 48 yeah. and 1970 something. So, yeah. um, it was, you know, really that I can remember where I sat in the theater. I have like visual memory of that. I was like eight. So, um, that experience, like that, that night changed my life. And so when I think about, you know, these kids coming from like Alaska and seeing show after show, it's like, they might never see another show again, or it never comes to New York again. And that experience is so cool and really informative of like why theater is important and right. you know, what it's able to do, um, for a lot of, a lot of people. We talk on this podcast about social media and how that's affected the business and, you know, try to get what people's feelings are on that. You obviously have a different perspective because you're dealing with kids who don't know a world without social media yeah. and are, do you, what do you, how do you address social media with them? If at all? Well, I, we talk about it a little bit because uh, mostly when casting comes in um, to do a masterclass or they'll talk about it very freely um, about that your, your social media presence is so important and what you're putting out in the world. So how do you, you know, if there's a photo of you being crazy with your friends, like maybe that doesn't right. need to be on there because that's going to outlive you. And in a way that if someone's looking at someone for a job, they're going to look at that sort of thing and what is necessary to put out there. Um, I do think that it's a little bit leading by example. So my social media and I love social media. I don't think there's any problem with it. Um, I want people are like, I'm taking a social media cleanse. I'm like, have at it. I love it. Like, I'm, yeah. I don't need a cleanse. I'm fine. Um, right. because I don't use it as my personal outlet to vent. I have a therapist so I can go to her to talk right. about my things. Yeah. So it makes me, I'm like, Oh, you're crazy. When I see someone post about every single thing that went wrong with them that day, I'm like, all right, yeah. so let's just make a physical, let's take time out of your day to make sure we know that the subway took 28 minutes to come. Like, I don't care. Nobody right. cares. Right. Um, and now you're just like putting it in the world in the biggest way possible. Right. So I, you know, if you look at my social media, it's really very rarely negative. And um, because I just don't think that's necessarily a place for it. Or, yeah, I mean, or that mine isn't either. And that's why, you know, it's like, I, I, you want it to be honest, but you're like, having uh, something negative be put out in 280 characters or something, it's its not the full story. And it just kind of feels like you're leaving turds for people to find. <laughs> but also like personally, it's like enough good things happen in my day. So I'll highlight those things yeah. versus the like four negative things that happen in a day, you know, it's right. like, um, and then, you know, what, uh, and what that means to, my day by focusing on those negative things. So, um, I do think there is an element of oversharing, which these kids sort of need to learn about. And, yeah. um, they and really do. Cause they don't think about, they didn't, they never had a world with the privacy that we had. Yeah. So they just don't have those kinds of boundaries a lot of times, right? Like it's a, it's a little scary to me with, with kids mm -hmm. in social media, but <clears throat> Do you feel like they have built a different kind of defense mechanism against, I don't know, being afraid of, of, of get things getting out there or. Yeah, I guess they, I guess people just assume that they're being big brothered all the time. Like always being filmed. Yeah. You're always going to be, it's like when I started this business 10 years ago, it was, I would remember that I would be nervous about posting a, a picture of a kid on Facebook. Right. Um, not my personal Facebook, I'm probably workshops Facebook. Right. Um, and being like, I don't want a photo of my kid on the internet, you know, like, yeah. and, and we, they sign a waiver and they register and all that stuff so that, you know, we can promote our program. But 
you know, now it's just like, just there, there's no thought about it. Like right. you could post anything. Kid is singing in a voice lesson. People are posting it. And I'm like, uh, you know, um, it's yeah. just, uh, it's just like a, it's a different world. And I think YouTube is like the best and worst thing that ever happened, um, yeah. for these kids, because there's a lot of mimicking that's just happening. So mm. you love the way someone sings, you go into your crazy YouTube K hole of like, you know, insert your favorite Broadway star. And then you're just trying to do what they do. You're right. matching the physical mannerisms. You're matching their vocal quality. Um, instead of just figuring out what you do, mm-hmm. which is, um, I once met Nathan Lane at a party when I was like maybe 20. Mm-hmm. And, um, I went up, I was like, I went up to him right away and I was like, everyone says I'm going to be just like you. And he says, why don't you try to be just like you? And he walked away and I huh. thought it was like a real dick move at the time, but I was like, no, yeah. that was like excellent advice, you know? Um, uh, so right. I was like, what an asshole. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he, really he was like, listen, don't let people tell you to try to be somebody else. Yeah. Be yourself. Um, and so, you know, that is, that's like excellent advice. Like yeah. what, and also now because the industry is changing so much and there is, there's opportunities for, I remember 10 years ago when we, if you were an effeminate boy, there was nothing for you to do. Right. Like no agent or manager wanted you. And now it's, it's like there's a market for it. There are kids on every sitcom that's like the gay sassy friend that's 12. And, uh, you know, it, it exists in a way that it didn't. Um, right. and I think that was after Ugly Betty. I think that's when that shift started, huh. started very slowly, but now it is, it is totally open thing in a way that it used to be it used to not be so that there are types that the more you're embracing who you are um and the more you're saying oh i'm a little overweight and i'm funny and that's totally cool so i don't need to try to be hugh jackman because that's not me um you know what i mean so that figuring out the thing that makes you special and how to highlight it versus hide it you get so much more out of you know, your auditions and so much more out of the universe by saying, no, this is the person I am. I feel like so many times people are driven out of this business because of, they feel like there's no one telling the story of their body type Mm -hmm. or the type that they are, you know, whether it's effeminate or, or, uh, different shapes and sizes. And, you know, my hope is, is that sticking around and, and making people creating their own things you know, is, is saying, no, these, these people's bodies or the way that they are, they have stories to be told. There are people out there who will want to hear these stories. And I think to be able to kind of talk to kids about that early on is so important, you know, to, to be like, there is a a place for you, but you're right. It wasn't really there for, especially for a lot of feminine kids. You, you probably call them, we used to call them light. Um, like, cause you couldn't say that either. So we would say, Oh, he's a little light. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Um. I mean, but could you, well, also you are, you are working with uh, kids going through puberty and in a time that is very, you know, the worst time of everyone's life. Yes. Like so stressful. And you are the oasis. You are the safe space for these kids. I mean, for so many of the kids that I did theater with, I look back and I'm like, Oh my God, this wasn't just about having a place to perform. It was having a place to not be bullied, having a place to feel safe to show up to after school and feeling important. That is, that to me is like more than feeling safe, more feeling important in a way that you don't feel if you're a kid who gets pushed into a locker at school and then you go to a rehearsal and people think you're funny and adults are paying attention to you, not in a creepy way, but in a good way. And, um, you're like, Oh, I'm important. And so that's self, I mean, it's all self-worth. So, um, what I bring to the table is good. What, um, or not good. And we're laughing about it, you know, in, in a way that doesn't feel like, you know, I can't tell you how many kids make the worst choice ever. And I'm like, what? That's insane. Don't do that again. Um, right. But they're, you know, but we're laughing at it and not, you know, uh, not making them feel stupid. Right. Um, but that's a you obviously, thing. yeah, you obviously are a proponent of of education for for young people in the arts. But what about 
conservatory training. You are training kids in middle school, high school, and they're about to go off into college. Do you, how do you handle this, the, the topic of going into a conservatory training program or not? Or is that a, is that still yeah. a hot topic oh, as it was when I was a kid? It's, it's a hot topic. I mean, we're currently right now having a college workshop that I am not in because I'm on the phone with you, oh, but, okay. um, but yeah, so we have, there's a lot of kids that are, you know, pursuing this more kids than ever and more schools than ever are offering, uh, you know, this conservatory style program. I don't think it's for everyone. It's a very personal decision. And there are kids that just don't know what they want to do. And because they love to sing and dance, it's really fun. They think that, oh, I'll do that. Right. And I almost feel like we're doing a little bit of a disservice um, by, we're also living in a time where parents say yes to their kids in a way that they didn't 15 years ago. Certainly, um, I graduated high school almost 20 years ago. It seems insane. And um, because I'm like so young looking. I know. Um, and so uh, there was like four schools that you could go to for musical theater and a major musical theater. And, um, you know, it just didn't exist. And I remember my mom being like, why don't you go to cameraman school? Like, it was just, I was right. like, I don't know where that is, mom. Um, <laughs> but it just wasn't your, your parents weren't saying like, oh my God, you should major in this. Like no yeah. one used to say that. Now every parent who sees their kid in a show ever is saying like, yes, go get your dream. Yeah. And, um, I think that that's hard because not every kid is cut out for this or doesn't have the it factor that they might need. Right. Um, and so we can get you as prepared as possible. And then, you know, I'll see, you know, a college that seems made up. Like it'll be like Bliss Massage School, BFA Musical Theater, class of 2020. And you're like, wait a second. You know, like there, yeah. every school now has a BFA program. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think it's really about saying like, can you, is this definitely what you want to do? Are you mm -hmm. ready for what this life looks like? Um, or is this something that you feel like you can do while you're doing other things? And I tell most of my students, why not try to be as well-rounded as possible? Yeah. Um, and be at a school where you can also like take a journalism course, where you can also edit your own film, where you can also direct something so that you are not putting all your eggs in the sing, act, dance basket. Yeah. Um, because then you will probably trip over it. You know, there is, if you have opportunity to do other things, you might find something that you love doing. You didn't even know. Right. Because in high school, you don't really get to do all that. And I say all the time, had I seen, an SNL, I went to an SNL taping maybe like eight years ago. And I was like, had I seen this as a kid, I would have wanted to work in any capacity on television. But yeah. I had no access to that because you don't get to see that yeah. as a kid. So being able to, you know, you had access to sitting in a theater and seeing a Broadway show or yeah. a show. And you're like, well, then I'll do this. So, um, you know, we talk a lot about keeping your options open and maybe, um, you know, having other opportunities. And there are some kids, there are no question. I'm like, this, you're a barracuda. This is what you are meant to do. I've never seen anyone work so hard. You are so good. You are so there. You have done all the work. You should keep studying this because I can't imagine you doing anything else. And so, you know, it's just a matter of, are you that kid? But if you're a kid who comes to me, you don't even have 16 bars together and you you never read a play after I told you to read it four times. Like, you're going to go to school for that? Yeah. Like you're not doing the work now when right. it's like you should be doing it. So right. there's some of that happening. Yeah. Well, and also it, it all comes down to school loans, like how much money you're going to owe after you after you get your degree. And if you're going to school and you get a degree and you don't owe anything afterwards, who cares what it says on there? Like <laughs> you have a degree and you got out with being, you know, not, you know, you're going to end up doing something and you have a degree, but if you're getting out of school and you have 50 to a hundred thousand dollars of school loan debt, which it could be now because it's crazy expensive since we went to school. Yeah. Um, and it was expensive back then, but now it's like double what it was. If you're going out into the world and having to wait on tables and having to figure out something else to do to just feed yourself and you're not using your degree at all, it can be, it can be really tough. It can be really mentally, um, 
disheartening. And, and so I think that it really, it should be also about finances and having a real conversation and knowing that if you, the best case scenario, you become an actor and you continue your craft for five to 10 years after, and you still can't pay your bills as an actor. So if you have school loans for those five to 10 years, how will it feel to, to pay them off and making a real honest decision financially about where you go to school. And I think we created a little bit of a monster by um, having these schools that feel like you can't have a career unless yes. you go to one of these five schools. Right. Um, and that is, as we know, not true. Um, not true. Yes, it does tend to make life a hair easier. You get started in an easier way. You have footing, but just because you graduated from Michigan doesn't mean you're instantly in a Broadway show, you know? Right. And I think there is a version and this is that social media version where these young people see that and they go, if I go to that school, that means I'll be a lead in Mean Girls or right. that means I'll be in the next, you know, big thing or um, where, you know, we know that people like Carly Carmelo, like I think she has an agree, a degree in accounting. Um, wow. So, you know, it's just, but uh, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. And you can always do this, which is something I talk about a lot with kids. So even if you wanted to go to school for something totally, totally different, um, no one's going to say you can't go and audition at any point of your life that you can't get a backstage, get a backstage like 1987. You can't go, you can't go to backstage.com or actors access or whatever to make yourself for anything that you want to you know, be seen for whether or not you get seen, but you know, it, there's not, there's no one way at this, which is, I think, the hardest thing and the best thing about this business is that anyone could do it at any time. So many people have had success without any real education in the business. And, you know, people will continue to find other ways in. Um, and, you know, that just takes a matter of being hungry for it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I remember all the people who were honest with me when I was a kid about being an actor who said like, um, you should do anything else if you can. Um, you should go, you shouldn't go to a conservatory because that's all you'll be doing. Go to get a liberal education. When I was hearing those things as a, as a young person, I was like, how dare they? You know, like I, I don't want, they shouldn't be saying that to me. And then when I was at a conservatory, which was a great education, but was really, really hard. I was like, oh yeah, I'm glad those people were honest with me. And when I was out working at a bar or working at a restaurant, and or filing papers at my temp job, I was so grateful to the people who were honest with me because then there were so many other people who were like, you'll be famous or you'll, you'll <laughs> be a Broadway star instantly. You're so talented who had no idea what they were talking about. Had never even seen a Broadway show, but were, you know, kind of feeding that to me. I think it's so important and wonderful that you are positive, optimistic, but you're also realistic and give these kids such a well-rounded education and understanding of what a career in theater really looks like. They also get to see each other perform. So, yeah. I mean, unless you're, you know, blind, you got to see people and say, oh, that person is so much more prepared than I am. That person right. is, and, you know, and everyone talks about it. It's like opportunity meets preparation, you know, mm -hmm. success. But, um, you know, they're watching each other and they're, they're, if you're a kid that's like, just might be doing it because it's the outlet you found so far, but you're mm -hmm. definitely going to be seeing someone in class who it's like the only thing that they're meant to do. Right. Um, and it, you couldn't help but see it and say, Oh my God, that girl, that boy is like this is destiny. Um, but you know, doesn't, that doesn't mean they're going to make it either. You know, it's just, um, but you just never know. I don't know. It's such a hard, hard business. Yeah. You, you never know. And it really is up to, the individual to, like you said, if they have the hunger for it or not, it's up to them to say like, it, you don't realize that when you're young, you think somebody in charge is going to give me permission to be an actor or permission to, to keep going when at the end of the day, no one does that. It's you. You have to be the one who every day signs up again and says, I'm going to put myself through this <laughs> or you get smart and you create your own business and mm -hmm. you're still able to have an identity, like you said, as a theater lover, as a, th a participant in this world and find joy in that and not just in somebody and waiting for somebody to hand you a job, which, you know, I, I guess that's, 
kind of one of the reasons that I admire you so much is because I know how you have been able to do that. You, you are living the dream. You are, you found a way to enjoy theater and to perform because you definitely are performing in front of these kids. Oh, I mean, it's like a stand up no, act. No question. <laughs> <laughs> you are so funny and they just, they just uh, adore you. So you are still performing even with them and you're bringing so much to their lives. I, I was so honored to get to, to teach there. It really meant a lot to me that you asked and I know I'll get to do it again. And I look forward to that. Thank you so much for talking with um, us today. I hope there's a lot of young people listening. I hope there's a lot of parents listening because I actually hear from parents a lot that they have young people who want to get in the business and it's good to hear about, uh, all the ups and downs and swings. And, and I think that you are working with artists at a very important time of their careers. They're the Thanks. early part. Well, thank you for doing this and, you know, sharing uh, all of the people that you had on. I listened to Rachel Bloom's episode yesterday and it's, yeah. you know, it was so great. And um, I love what you're doing, Rory. So keep doing it, please. All right, bud. Go see some shows and tell me how they are because I'll be in New York hopefully in the next month or so. And all I right, know what awesome. to see. Okay. Um, thank you so much. You're the thank best. You. All right. Thanks. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.